You're listening to Let's Talk on the Nothing But Fine Network. I'm your host, Emily Trotter, and we all have a story to tell in our everyday lives and extraordinary moments. Join me and my friends as we banter, belly laugh, and share the vulnerable to remind us that even though life can be hard, it will all be nothing but fine. Welcome to the conversation. Good morning. Um, thanks for joining us again on Let's Talk. This is Emily Trotter with Nothing But Fine. And today I have a friend that I actually met, and she's going to think this weird that I know exactly how many years ago that I met her, <laughs> but I have a reason. I have a really good excuse. <laughs> I met Lauren six years ago on my 40th birthday. <laughs> and I remember because I was um, at Lake Martin with my in-laws and um, ended up being kind of my birthday is June 30th and it falls on a, you know, holiday ish weekend. And so I ended up being with my in-laws and it was, um, not exactly what my first choice would have been for my 40th birthday, but here, there we were. And it was a really nice dinner at this restaurant, um, like a wine dinner at this restaurant at Lake Martin called spring house. Mm. And my father-in-law was looking over my shoulder going, there is a, there's a football player behind us, behind you. I recognize him. And I was like, really? Who is it? And he was like, I don't know who it is. And I turned around and went, that's Justin Duck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my father-in-law looked at me like, how in the world do you know who Justin Duck is? <laughs> and so by the end of dinner, we felt comfortable enough. Obviously, we'd had all the wine that went with it. <laughs> That we felt comfortable enough going over and speaking because I think you were sitting next to some friends of my in-laws that someone that had a house near you or I don't know where they were in the table. Okay. But we met. um, That's when I met you and um, our friend. um, That's when I met Jan Ware. Oh, yes. So and then we, we ended up. Yes. And we ended up going over to some that my friends inner. I don't know my in-laws friend's house and then we sat and talked for a long time and so I've kept up with you just on social media and things um and we've chit-chatted you know back and forth over the over the years that's right we're coming we're gonna you know can we get dinner and then it never happens (laughs) (laughs) and I missed out you know during COVID did you guys spend a lot so this is Lauren Tuck sorry I didn't even say (laughs) this is Lauren Tuck yes hello and thank you for having me Thank you for coming. I'm so excited that you said yes. Um, but thanks. You know, I think that you, did y'all during COVID, this was my question. Y'all spent a lot of time in, in Alabama at the lake. We did. We quarantined down there for several months, actually, yeah. um, because things were really bad uh, up yeah. in the New York area. Oh, yeah. And we're in New York. I'm on location, guys. Yes. Um, Lauren Welcome took the to time out of her busy day today um, to come chat with me. But so we're in New York. But So they live in the New York area. And because and, Justin's from Alabama. That's right. Like right outside Alex City. Exactly. Yep. Kelly okay. in Alabama, Coosa okay. County. Coosa County, Alabama. So he's he's an Alabama boy. And you're from Pennsylvania? That's right. Okay. So, and you guys met in at college. That's right. University of Notre Dame. Go Irish. That's right. <laughs> um, so they're big, you know, obviously Notre Dame fans. I always love to see you guys going back to the... Um, to the games and mm-hmm. I enjoy your college, your, your team spirit. Oh, thank you. I enjoy your team spirit. That is something that is, you know, particularly strong in the South. <laughs> I do know. I was going to say, I don't know. There's probably a lot of uh, SEC fans, but we Notre Dame fans have a pretty strong. Uh, you do. Well, and I remember, well. you know, and we went to, um, 
my son had a brain tumor when he was two, my oldest. And so when we were at Scottish Rite, one Saturday, the, was it Georgia Tech? I think it was the Georgia Tech, and because it was during the win, um, the fall mm-hmm. when he was inpatient. And, um, <laughs> and I think it was a Georgia Tech and the Notre Dame cheerleaders mm. came to the hospital really? for a little event. And wow. so Bo got to meet the leprechaun and all the cheerleaders and they were just the sweetest, kindest. Oh, I'm glad I to mean, hear that. he was like, Oh, and I was pretty excited too. <laughs> oh, that's really special. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so, I'm glad to hear that. so that was, we were like, Oh, well now we've seen them. And then my kids are Catholic, go to Catholic school. Oh, okay. So we are, and our curriculum comes from Notre Dame. Okay. So, um, the ones that we follow. So, um, that we feel a connection to Notre Dame. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and, <laughs> St. Anne Vicelli Catholic School in Columbus, Georgia. <laughs> oh, how cool. Yeah. I'm Catholic as well. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we feel that connection. But I, and it's so easy to talk about. And I want to do want to talk about it a little since Justin um, was a professional football player. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. played, you know, all he played on scholarship for Notre Dame. That's right. All four years. Yes. All four years he played. Well, red shirt freshman, but he yes, graduated <clears throat> uh, in four years. And then went, and then went to the, was he, was he drafted by the ja- Giants. Giants? Okay. Right. See, that's how I knew who he was. I don't know why I'm a New York Giants fan. It just happened. Um, I think it really kind of comes from Eli Manning. Oh. Um, and I I don't know. I think I kind of was like, oh, look at his older brother that he has. Bless his little heart. What if he's not <laughs> as successful as Peyton? And for whatever reason, um, I, I became a New York Giants fan, so I knew exactly who Justin Tuck was. And I don't want this to be about him, but I did want to ask you, I mean, what in the world? How do you, how did you, and still... I mean, being the wife of a professional athlete has got to be stressful on a different level. <laughs> um, it is uh, also fun on a different level yeah. at times. It was a really um, crazy journey that I'm yeah. grateful for. I think probably the thing that people aren't as aware of is just how complex your family and your household is. And from such a young age, we got married um, shortly after I graduated. I'm a year behind him in school. So I was 23 and he was 25. And, you know, we were very blessed, but we were in a position where um, he traveled a lot. We traveled together quite a bit. You have very complicated taxes to file. (laughs) Oh, wow. You know, in terms of investments or trying to buy properties in different places. Um, and you're in your early 20s starting a charitable foundation. Yeah. I think that was probably the the piece of it that when I look back now that he's been retired for several years and is now in finance, Yeah, um, I think, wow, that was a lot to take on in, right. you know, as recent college grads and perhaps yeah. having children of our own now as well and thinking about them and would I, <laughs> would I want them to, you know, get married at that age or take on some of what... We did, but I think for a lot of professional athletes, um, that is a reality of, you know, I'm not just going to put this in the bank to invest at, you know, 1% when there's So did you have a lot of guidance in that when you were kind of, Um, or were y'all just winging it? I mean, I would say a little bit of both. We're blessed as well in having amazing parents, uh, my in-laws as well as my parents, Um, but they 
you know, were not. Unchartered um, territory. Correctly. There was no generational wealth, let's say that. Um, so I think that they, the values, the middle class values that we had certainly came in handy, but we did find um, mentors in other spaces to kind of help us to navigate um, some of the, whether it was just older um football players are professional athletes and being in the New York area, we got to meet oh, some yeah. people that were also really savvy and, you know, finance and the was that something world. that the team offered or discussed or talked about a lot was, did they reach out and help? Do um, they, or not did they, but do they, you know, kind of look at their players and say, Hey, let us just give you some advice and you can do with it what you want. Obviously they can't, you can't right. make someone Precisely. make smart choices. Precisely. And you know, the good and bad of the NFL is, you know, there's, there is such disparity in terms of the guys that are unsigned, undrafted right. um, practice squad versus the people that, you know, your quarterback who yeah. is making, um, typically the most on a team. Yeah. So I think, unfortunately, there was no real one size fits all, oh, but yeah. they absolutely, both the NFL and um, the teams that we have been a part of, he also um, played two years for the Oakland Raiders. Did y'all move to Oakland with him? We did. Okay. We, we were bi-coastal. We didn't okay. um, go uh, full-time, but during the season, yep, we were out there. Were the there. kids were babies at that point. Um, but... Uh, yeah, both of the teams provided some support in terms of um, um, workshops, that sort of, yeah. um, you know, and there's always emails going around in the off season. You can intern in this or you can do, you oh, know, wow. so, yeah, I think there's been a lot of progress made in terms of um, trying to help the player off the field. Um, yeah, like, well, and after and your after, career's over. Yes, yes. Um, wow, that's interesting. At one, that's great. I mean, do they, does every, well, you can't speak for everyone, but I mean, and Justin seems like such a smart guy. Cause I mean, now he's, didn't he get, I don't know what all he's done, I, I, yeah. but he's got, I mean, <laughs> he went back for his MBA. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. really smart and is now has a second career right? Um, that he's, you know, work. He's not just sitting at home. <laughs> Right. On the couch all the time. Right. I don't know about you, but during COVID, he knows we joke all the time, but we, we have a hard time yeah. sharing spaces full time. <laughs> we have a beautiful 15 year plus marriage now, but it is a little bit like one of us has to go somewhere. Someone has to go on a trip. Right. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh, that's what the best advice, well, the, not the best, but the funniest advice I got was from, um, and, Steve Gatlin that was on, I interviewed him earlier this year and his wife, cause I grew up with his daughter, okay. um, but his wife, I remember as a little girl, she told us, she was like, the key to a happy marriage is a husband that travels in separate bathrooms. <laughs> and I really think that's true. Right. Funny, but true. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You need some, one of you, I guess nowadays that one of you needs to travel. Yeah. It gives you some space to yes. appreciate. I think, gives um, you, you know, they say distance makes the heart grow fonder, that's right. but I think it's also about that. Yeah. appreciation of um don't you have somewhere to be <laughs> yeah and i mean even a good night's i mean do you sleep i sleep so good when jim's not home <laughs> actually that's probably the one thing i i don't think either one of us sleeps great when uh -oh, when we're not that's with so the other sweet. yes yes um <laughs> i get my best sleep of my life when jim's not <laughs> i mean last night in this hotel room i was like you kept me up half the night <laughs> oh <laughs> So that's sweet that y'all, oh, no, I'm sure there's a lot of people like that. It's just not me. <laughs> so you said that you started, so 
early on you started a nonprofit? That's right. Okay, what was that one? Because so, you do you have more than one? No. Um, and Or is it grown, just kind of changed over the years? It has evolved. Um, we started a charitable organization. Actually, I, I couldn't – I'd have to – look up the year. That's all right. I we'll believe lie. you. <laughs> um, but it was, it was absolutely early um, in his playing career. And, you know, I think to be able to use the platform that the profession that the NFL yeah. provides for some good in the world um, was something that felt really important to both of us. Yeah. And we still do support, you know, uh, a few different nonprofit organizations, but I think we really wanted to have um, something of our own and specific to um, Justin's roots in Alabama, yeah. where, you know, it's, he grew up on a farm. Yeah. It was such a remote area yeah. that there weren't a lot of organizations already working there. Right. So yeah. that um, was kind of the impetus for us starting our own organization. And then I actually went back to grad school for a master's in um, nonprofit management. Oh my gosh, aren't you smart? <laughs> oh my gosh. Because that's not easy. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But I think it was one of those things. And I have my degree um, from Notre Dame is in marketing. And so I think we felt that we had some of the skills yeah. to um, successfully raise money and to identify a need. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of program development and the quantitative pieces of how you actually measure the effectiveness of yeah. the work you're trying to do, I think, you know, there, it just sort of as we got going, we realized, you know, there's a fair amount that we don't know here and I frankly still don't know. I think right. there's a lot of um, people in the nonprofit sector grappling with some really it's big so problems. Hard. Right. It's so hard. Well, and so did you, you know, kind of start broad and then you kind of had to say, wait a minute, this is too, we need to be more specific here. Exactly. So we, we knew we wanted to um, be in the education space. We feel like certainly in our lives, that's been the surest path to economic mobility. But yeah. I think, um, you know, there's also research supporting that. Yeah. Um, but I think we did, we ended up narrowing it down to literacy and then working more in early childhood um, yeah. because of all the stats, you know, by third grade. So um, that was, um, I think, for both of us, really fulfilling work. Yeah. Ultimately, we converted that to a donor advised fund. Mm. So now we do just fund other programs that are in mm. that space. And for example, um, we were able to work with an organization called Books for Kids. Yeah. And um, in Goodwater, Alabama, yeah. we were able to put um, a site in one of their Head Start buildings there oh, wow. for the library. So I think we found some other creative <clears throat> ways. Um, to do the work we wanted to do without um, having to take outside funding. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Uh, well, and so you, you have a education um, interest. So yes. you, you were on the school board That's right. of your County. Mm -hmm. Are you still? No. Okay. Um, and that. Cause I remember you running and I was like, I would vote for you. Well, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I would vote for you to be my school board member. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think that a lot of times that's people that make the best school board members are, you know, parents who have children right. in the district. And um, I think I really enjoyed and feel that a lot of good work was done during yeah. my three-year term. Um, 
it was a wild ride because <laughs> we um it was during covid yeah. the um that was my final year and Ugh. so as you can imagine some of the things that you know you at least for me, I got into it from a curriculum perspective and wanting to make sure that our district remained competitive, that we, my kids were getting a world-class education. Yeah. And then it became about health and wellness. <laughs> yeah. And should we close the schools? Should we open the schools? Yeah. What sort of building improvements need to be made? And um, that was really challenging. I mean, my sister actually is a doctor. I have a little sister. She's a surgeon, in fact. But so she's the, you know, (laughs) medical expert in the family. For me, I'm like, I'm trying to read up and educate myself on, uh, you know, because we're we're having to vote on things as it applies to the schools. And you do the best you can. But well, yeah. And and to, to just well, and how many people in your position, uh, you know, how many school board members across the country across the world? Um, we're, we're honest enough with, with it. Well, and we're honest enough with themselves to say, this is not our area of expertise. <laughs> so we need to study and perhaps trust people. I mean, what as what I mean, that's hard. It was. It with, was and something really important hanging in the balance. And Emily, you know, I don't know that we will, I think 10 years from now, yeah. we'll look back because different districts handled it different ways. Right. And you know, it'll, um, I think that putting the safety of our children and our educators first is something that, um, I'll feel good about. And personally, right. I wasn't on, you know, the buildings or grounds committee, but, yeah. um, I do think that there are, um, some good things that came out of virtual learning in the long run. But I think that there are also things that even as they learned more about yeah. how COVID spread and, you know, what actually, what was a safe environment, yeah. you know, I think everyone will probably say we could have done this or that oh, differently, sure. but yeah, um, hindsight is always twenty twenty, Right. And I, I still don't, I don't even believe that we, we know at this moment, yeah. you know, the real. Well, uh, and I, I, cause I have an 11 year old. I think Mac is somewhere. Yes. I have a 10 and 13. So Mac's right between them, but I can see difference. I can see where he missed, mm. um, you know, that turns out, you know, the last three months of first grade are important. <laughs> <laughs> that was the same with my little one. Yeah. Right. Turns wow. out you need the handwriting and cutting. Oh, yes. <laughs> that has been the biggest struggle for him was, has been um, handwriting because he was in public school then because mm-hmm. uh, all my kids did public school K through five. And then we switched to just because our district is a little difficult. Well, and you know what? That's fair. I have yeah. one to the staff, one in public and one yeah. in private. And I do believe that um, different children oh, sometimes um, benefit from different education environments. Yeah. Um, and, you know, having the resources to be able to do it uh, yeah. is a blessing. But I do think that, right, that's part of what got me yeah. into the education space was, a you know, a genuine desire to yeah. say if this opportunity. Well, because I think for us, too, it has... I don't know our I don't think we're it's back yet mm. to the level that it was before mm. and I think part of that is you know just it must be you know caution and I don't know. I, I don't know. That's why it's part of the reason why we went ahead and switched. Sure. So Mac is at, at St. Anne's too now, but the handwriting has been such an issue. And I, I have been did you do, do your kids know cursive? They do. Okay. Um, was, do th- 
Do they write full letters in cursive? No, well, no, no one does. Can they sign their name? Yes. Yeah. So important. Yes. There's a generation of children that can't. Right. My, my 18-year-old, well, and for real, Van's 15 and he can't. I mean, it's like a let me look up the letters to it is see a how bit to of do a lot, it. Lost art. Yeah, it is so is. But and then the use of technology, right? Um, didn't help Mac. And then now, so now he's in more of a writing pen and paper, pencil, you know, all of that okay. kind of learning environment. Whereas, you know, in the in the public school, it had been a lot of technology based and and typing and whatnot. So that didn't help it either. So, um, but and it's different. Do so you notice differences? in year two, yes, you know, what they missed out on. Cause I mean, it's a totally different thing. What, you know, my, my 18 year old was a freshman in high school. And so right. it was different for him than it was for Mac. And I mean, there have been some things where we will Jake and he's like, I didn't do that. <laughs> Remember we were like, Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think that's kind of the, um, natural age at which, I mean, 18, you know, you go off to college and you do everything's on your laptop and certainly grad school. And, you know, I think that, um, I do think obviously that's becoming, um, that's trending younger and younger. And in a lot of ways, I think, um, there are some exciting things that come with that, but I, I do, believe in just the old school fundamentals and, you know, right. <laughs> got to get a good base. Right. First right. Before we can move on to something. Else. Right. <laughs> well, that, um, so, and, and if, if no, if people don't know who Justin Tuck is or have never seen y'all, mm-hmm. um, so do you prefer African American or black? Um, I'm fine with both terms. Okay. I, I want to be sensitive to that. But so, and, and so I wanted to talk a little bit and I warned you that I was going to ask about this because mm-hmm. I think there is a despair, not a disparity, but a, a real difference for sure in raising, um, white sons and black sons. And during COVID and all of that, um, it just kind of, it's some of the things that we've had, you know, racially in, in the country, it, really kind of opened my eyes to, you know, cause my, my oldest son has, has a lot of black friends and just the thought of them being somewhere and them being pulled aside or frisked or, you know, being questioned why they were there and then not my kid, <laughs> my kid may be worse, you know? <laughs> so I wanted to ask you about the raising black sons, raising black men. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate, um, the heads up about this because it is a difficult yeah. topic. Um, and, and I try not to be <laughs> difficult. <laughs> no. And I, I appreciate, I think that dialogue is, is, yeah. um, necessary to move right. forward in this country that yeah. and and even globally where there's a racial hierarchy but I think the United States has a particularly um challenging yeah history that very much affects where yeah. we are today in terms of race relations and unfortunately the fact that we do see race and yeah. you know whether it's um outward yeah racism or implicit bias um so I think um I do believe that there's a a heaviness yeah. that um that comes and sometimes, you know, just as a mother in general, right. I certainly feel that I love my boys, my children more than any mother has ever loved anyone. <laughs> That's right. And I, I believe that in yeah. my heart, soul, you know, the and they core are precious of my being. Angels. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> they are gifts from above. You know, and and um 
I think that um, there are conversations that are just about safety, unfortunately, yeah. that right. we do have to have on top of because, right. you know, we don't live in a perfect world. There right. are crime, there are, you know, scams, there are things that all of our children need to be raised to be right. um, cognizant of and um, aware of. But I do think, unfortunately, you know, the avenues through which um, we often look for comfort or authority figures that we assume, um, you know, would come in to save the day. Yeah. That there are situations. Those helpers that we're taught to look for, yeah. Yeah, and it's certainly not across the board. Um, sure, yeah. But I think just to have that awareness, um, you know, um, like ding-dong ditch or like yeah. booing. I don't know if that's popular um, yeah. in Alabama. But, you know, you <laughs> ring the doorbell and you leave some candy and you run yeah. away. And I don't allow my children to participate in that. Right, and yeah. I think, you know, we've seen some headlines where yeah. it's people unfortunately don't see a Dennis the Menace fun little kid out, you know, <laughs> right. it's, it's a very different situation yeah. and it's heartbreaking to, you know, right. have to tell your children that yeah. unfortunately, um, sometimes that's something you have to be aware of mm -hmm. just to even plant that seed that mm -hmm. you got to watch this. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. I see. And that's something that I just couldn't. And that's the thing. It just, I, I did reach out and, you know, I guess it was, I don't remember when it was I, just reaching out to a friend of Bo's mom and saying, Hey, I, I'm sorry. And I, I'm apologizing and being like, I can't imagine what this feels like for you. Um, and what you think about every day. I mean, when you, when you helped out of the school, you said somebody's on a field trip today. And number one, the idea of t sending my child on a field trip in a city like New York <laughs> gives me anxiety. Because <laughs> I saw we were walking yesterday and I saw a school bus and I was like, I cannot imagine putting my kid on a school bus in these streets. <laughs> I just can't imagine that. And so, but to have that level of okay, where are they? What are they? What, what kind of um, environment are they going to be in? Is it going to be, you know, just having to al always pre-think that. Um, so yeah, it's just another level of awareness. And honestly, as a woman, yeah, I feel that that too, yeah. it's in, you know, it's obviously apples and oranges, but I think there are certain things that when you raise a daughter, you do have to yeah. be, um, you know, um, yeah, that's true. You made me think in the, um, speaking about, we can certainly circle back, but I know, um, the marathon was something yes, that you had I wanted asked to about ask you about the marathon as well. And, um, that made me think, Hey, just of New York city, it is just such a fabulous city. And I think yeah. there's perhaps no greater example than the day of the New York marathon yeah. when you run through every borough from Staten Island to Queens, wow. to Brooklyn to Queens to Manhattan to the Bronx and, and back. Um, yeah. So Lauren just ran. The New York City Marathon. I, I mean, well, uh, I mean, what, how do you? I mean, yay! I can't even. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's so impressive. Thank <laughs> and, you. And then I also am like, why would you do that? Right. <laughs> I get that question a lot and a, a little bit crazy. Um, for me, it was part of a, a health and wellness journey um, that I've been on, um, and well, because you are so athletic. Oh, thank you. Y'all are all so athletic. And I don't mean just like you enjoy, you know, club sports or whatever. But I mean, y'all are competitive. And 
and and you succeed and you excel. And I mean, I, you know, and obviously with your husband being in the profession that he was in, I mean, you see, okay, obviously, but then you've got you that are just a powerhouse as he is. Well, I appreciate that because I am absolutely the athletic black sheep of my family. In fact, everyone's kind of like, oh, Lauren is okay. You know, oh, that's you know, hilarious. I, um, I, my career was over after high school <laughs> yeah. varsity sports. Um, and because, I mean, my sister played soccer in college. Um, I have an older half-brother who played football in college. Oh, um, wow. You know, all of my in-laws are very athletic. Both of our parents are athletic. So yeah. I think um, they're um, – <laughs> Well, <laughs> I can't imagine what they must be like because I sit in awe and watch you go. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, thank you. I do, I do think that we um, – we operate under a um, a level of what I feel is healthy competition, but some people <laughs> might think we're all a little bit intense. Um, so can y'all play together? Like, I know you play tennis. Yes. Does, does everyone play tennis and y'all play together? Or you have to be like, no, 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 I'm not playing you. Um, they don't play tennis well <laughs> enough to play me. <laughs> Um, but we, we can play together for fun and pickleball. I don't yeah. know if you've tried this, um, yes. growing now, very popular, it's so um, popular. Yes. Yeah, sport. Um, so actually my youngest has plays in gym class. I, you know, I think that yeah. this is going to be, you know, very soon well, a high school sport. Well, cause you sport. can do it. It's easy to do anywhere. It's easy to do. And that's the thing. I, I, I think that, um, so with Justin, we play that together and for fun, but we play with friends. And so of course, yeah. you know, it does get, um, <laughs> we played a little tournament and that was a made up tournament in the summer, but our friend, um, bought said, a trophy in the whole night. Making a yes. And it helps when your partner's almost six, six and, you know, pretty very, athletic. He has a very wide arm. Exactly. Yes. So I, even though I pride myself on my racket skills, I let him to handle, you know, majority of the balls there. But, um, yeah, you know, we, um, we do a lot of, um, athletic or, you know, I call them family fitness days. Yeah. And for me, I think honestly, part of the marathon, aside from, um, you know, I had had some injuries and some health stuff just with, I'll, I'll be 40 in April. Yeah. Um, so I think, um, some of it was purely health yeah. motivated. Um, but the other piece of it was to get a little bit of main character energy. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> You know, living in a household where I, I love cheering on all of my guys. I mean, yeah. genuinely, um, I loved watching Justin play in college. Yeah. I loved watching him play in the pros. And now I have boys that yeah. enjoy playing sports yeah. and What's love to go out. Soccer, both of them. Uh, you know, the little one might be tied with track and field. Um, oh, wow. But, um, yeah, I would say soccer, but they do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And if it's a rec basketball game, you know, I just, I love it all. I yeah. love to be out there, you know, good hustle, just to see them learning and trying their best. Yeah. And, um, so, but I think I, I just sort of had this, um, moment of, yeah, you know, I want to, I want everyone to cheer for me. Yeah. <laughs> and that Absolutely. felt really cool. Yeah. Well, and I saw your, I mean, so your boys, they so supported you. They did. And to see them, I mean, how could you, like, seeing them with their signs and meeting up, you know, in different spaces on the race, I, I, I would have been like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> As you were trying, no, I can't, I have to stop. Emily, it was the most <laughs> surreal experience because I spent 
I mean, I basically smiled for like five hours because that's about how long it took me, a little more actually. Um, I was slower than I thought I was going to be. I would still be be running if that makes you (laughs) feel any better. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I mean, there was that from just the strangers. Again, the energy in the city. Yeah. People, because I had, you know, put my name on my shirt with some tape and they, Lauren, believe in yourself and you're doing great. they're just so encouraging. It was incredible. And then, yeah, to see the boys. So then I'd be smiling and then I would be overwhelmed and crying. And it was, um, it was a really powerful experience. And I loved that during the training, sometimes they would come out and run with me um, or even just do a warm-up mile with me. I felt like that was, um, I hope, part of the legacy that I'll leave for them, you know, is to, like, take care of yourself and go out and you don't need to be an Olympic medalist. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, right. Well, and I think that's what's so – that's why people love the marathon so much because it's just regular people that are just strapping on their tennis shoes and – Every, and they're getting, you know, being cheered for and, you know, being appreciated for even trying, right? Because <laughs> there's so many of us that aren't trying. <laughs> no, you know, honestly, I think you're right. It's it's a beautiful display of the human spirit. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think, you know, from the sidelines to the people that are out there running and you see all sorts of runners, I mean, different ages and people come from all over the world. Yeah. Um, you know, this is one of the world majors. So, yeah. um, yeah, it was a really cool experience. Are you going to do it again? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew you were going to say, absolutely. I already signed up for next year. <laughs> I did. Well, you know, my Justin said, um, because I was on such a high yeah. afterwards, um, he was like, oh no, you're going to do this you're, again. Yeah, you're going to do it all the time. But honestly, I, I think that part of what made it so special for me was the one, and, but I think it was cool to get back into running. Yeah. Um, I, Ran four years varsity um, cross country in high school. Yeah. But after that, I, you know, a 5K here and there, but I really yeah. didn't. And this kind of reignited a bit of a love of running for me. So I'll definitely do shorter races. But yeah. to come out of the marathon relatively unscathed, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to push my luck with another one. I'm not doing another one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. You're like, you know what? I It's kind of like when you're done having kids, you know you're done having kids. You know you're done. Right. <laughs> this was my marathon. I am done with this. I'm yes. not doing this again. I love that. Uh, so did you, but how hard is it? Can anyone just sign up for the marathon? Or is there a process? There, there is a, a process. Um, because there were over 50,000 runners. I can't imagine running with but that many people. But there are so many people that don't get in. Um, yeah. And so I did it with a charity. Um, there are a few other organizations that uh, Justin and I are really um, passionate about yeah. and that we work with closely. So this one is called Robin Hood. And yes, I've seen you talk about it. Yeah, it's specific to New York City. Yeah. Um, and they do a lot of great work and it's across the board. It's yeah. healthcare, access, All the things. It's education. Yeah. Um, you know, um, food insecurity. So, um, I ran and raised money for that organization and New York road runners has certain charitable organizations as partners okay. and it allots them a certain number of, um, spaces. There is also a lottery that you can huh. enter. Um, there's a few different ways yeah. that, people um get in to run it but it's it's not a guarantee yeah so i guess they have to keep a certain amount of spots for the people that run marathons. oh professionals <laughs> correct yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and then the elite athletes. Yes. yes. And then it's like, all right, now we can fill in with all the others. Yes. Uh, that's fascinating. It mm-hmm. really is. So you trained with a group, right? Yes. With, um, so the charitable <clears throat> organization that I ran with, um, uh, certainly not everyone that was signed up for that charity went to all of the runs or even yeah. could because, um, some people supported the charity, but you know, lived in different areas or yeah. were on assignment for work. Um, but we ran, um, uh, once a week together, or at least there was the option to meet up. Yeah. And then I found I was joining the most random running groups, <laughs> would find anyone I could to just motivate me to yeah. like, get up and run 16 miles on a Saturday. Oh my word. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so how, how long does 16 miles take you? Um, so my, I'm like a 10 to 11 minute, uh, per mile runner. But yeah, on a given weekend, um, yeah. I would need two to three hours for yeah. most of my long runs. And, you know, my longest run was over three hours. Oh my gosh. I can't. I mean, see this, this is another thing that is so foreign <laughs> to me. <laughs> Cause I would be like, oh my whole, cause then what was, so, so you went on about your day after you were done running and uh, you didn't immediately go to bed. <laughs> that's probably what, what was the most challenging and why it would be difficult to run a full marathon again. Yeah. Because that's what was hard. Yeah. Because I do think a lot of people, you know, go home, eat like an entire jar of Nutella and then go to bed. <laughs> you have to like <laughs> replenish your carbs and fats and yeah. then um, rest. And for me, because my boys are in youth sports age, yeah. you know, I would, I like to go to their stuff. Yeah. So I remember there was one game I almost had to crawl from the soccer field oh because gosh. everything just locked up. Yeah. You when, were done. Yeah. And your um, body was like, that's enough yeah, for today. <laughs> right. I should be laying down right now and I'm standing and cheering. And when You're I went done. to walk back to the car, it wasn't pretty. So, um, Boys pick me up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Somebody bring the car right yes. here. <laughs> so I won't lie and say that was easy, that it was challenging. Oh, I bet. I couldn't do it. I absolutely could not do it. Um, that's, that's, but I can't, I just, I am in awe. No, thank you. <laughs> that you did that. Thank you. It was it's, a cool experience it was, for sure. Oh, it's and so if you good. do ever change your mind, I will come out and cheer for you. <laughs> well, thank you so much, but I don't think that's something you're going to have to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you something else and it's just um, left my mind. So what are you working on now? What are you devoting your time to now? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I, I do feel like a lot of my time is still spent in the nonprofit sector, whether mm-hmm. it's the organizations um, in the education space that we work with, um, or um, in the last maybe five years, Justin um, joined the board of an organization called the Vera Institute of Justice. Mm. And um, I know you and I actually bonded over uh, yeah. Brian Stevenson and the yes. Equal Justice Initiative um, and um, the amazing uh, yeah. work he's done in Montgomery with the museum. Yes. And, um, so I think that that's been a space that I've been trying to learn more about and get more involved in with, um, with Justin. And I think um, honestly, I am fully embracing motherhood in a way that um is more that I'm more hmm what's the word I'm looking for because I was a stay-at-home mom I had no nanny as kid like yeah. I've I've been I'm a full-time mom yeah but I think that 
there was a part of me that thought, and you'll probably think this is ridiculous since you do have, you know, college age sons now, but that thought like, oh yeah, once they get in school for full time, no. you're done. No, you're not. That's no, a lie. You're not. <laughs> and I don't want to ruin this for you, but just because they're old enough to be in college and they're technically viewed as adults, they're not. <laughs> right. This is what, this has been eye opening. And yes. I think that in some ways, I feel needed even more. Yeah. So I, I, I really am leaning into that. And, yeah. um, I think that there are parts of me that I, that I do have, you know, career aspirations personally yeah. and things that I'd like to accomplish. But at the moment, I'm, um, I'm really intentional about not thinking that I can do two things at once. And sure, I could probably hire someone to do some of what I do now, but I have just leaned in and said, you know, this is um, important. And I'm going to bake the cookies. I'm going to go to all the games. Yeah. Yeah. Do you go on field trips? I do, although I'm not invited as often now that they're in fifth and eighth grade. Actually, I have um, some fabulous friends who I've been class parent with. Yeah. And this is the first year that we can't be in the classroom yeah. anymore because um, for us, fifth grade is middle school. Um, oh, yeah. So it's... Ooh, um, what's that like, going to middle school in fifth grade? Um, I think, and interestingly, both of my kids did, both the one in public and yeah. the one in private. And I think both schools did a really good job of recognizing that they're 10, like they are babies still. Yeah, yeah. So um, they have, you know, they use lockers, they switch classes, but there's yeah. a lot of support um, that they get from teachers. And I think even being with the older kids in the building that yeah. they're, um, and now having an eighth grader as well, I yeah. think they're pretty sensitive to the fact that you know, these are the these little are fellas. Yeah. They're coming out of, because there's so much difference. I I mean, from sixth grade to eighth grade is such a big <laughs> difference. It, sure. <laughs> You're right. I mean, just not only physically what they look like as they grow in the, Maturity, that time period. Absolutely. Yes. But they, Knowledge yeah. base. yes, they're so, they are still babies mm-hmm. at, at, 11, 12, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the difference that happens that you say, well, oh my gosh. So does ninth grade, is it high school? Yes. Okay. So eighth grade, is eighth grade still middle school as yes. well? So, okay. yeah, fifth so through fifth through eighth. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know some places do, um, I know some, I think my, my friend lives in Dothan and I think their public schools has switched to like, Ninth is like all by itself, which I'm not opposed to. <laughs> or eighth and ninth are together, and then um, tenth and eleventh. Mm-hmm. I think they moved it back to like elementary goes through sixth, and then seventh and eighth, and then maybe ninth. <laughs> I see the logic. Yeah, I mean, and it makes sense mm-hmm, to you mm-hmm. know because kids are knuckleheads, aren't they? <laughs> no. <laughs> And they're, yeah, mm. <laughs> it's hard to, that's hard of the, that's the hard part of parenting mm-hmm. is the stuff that happens that you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was going to be a thing. Right. <laughs> I didn't know that this would be something I had to worry about, but here we are. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting. No, but going back to the, um, the justice, how did you got, how did Justin, did he kind of bring you into that or was that something that you both felt or, and speak a little bit to that because you're more knowledgeable than I am. Um, because I read the book because you suggested it over COVID and I, um, was like, oh my word. 
So um, speak a little bit about that. So for the Equal Justice Initiative, I actually heard Brian Stevenson um, speak at a high school in Montclair, New Jersey, that just was one of those things that one of my, you know, I have several groups of friends. I don't know if that's yeah. the same for oh, yeah, you. Me but too, yeah. yeah. So it just, it came out of this one group and I thought that sounds interesting. Yeah. And, um, when, and also because I am a total nerd, by the way, for talks, we were talking about podcasts beforehand, yeah. good books, good yeah. lectures. So I'm like, this sounds right up my alley. So <laughs> I went and I was so, um, both inspired, but also dismayed. Yeah. I think at, um, some of what I learned that day. And, yeah. um, so I started kind of more actively following him and learning about his organization and, um, to be more specific. So he does, um, work that includes getting, um, uh, wrongfully imprisoned, right. Um, men and women out of prison, but also, um, fighting for, um, better and more humanitarian conditions yeah. um, within prison and kind of the idea that, I mean, to tie it in biblically, that yeah. sometimes the um, true measure of a society is how we treat yeah. our most vulnerable and also our, like, you know, our most, um, those that we are outcasted. Right. Um, and so... Um, well, just, and how one leads to the other. Yes. Yes. So because the, the vulnerable fall, have a greater... I don't want to say tendency, but they have like a, <laughs> well, it's no. like, it's just, it's, it's like an out, like this could be my way out. Correct. Kind of. And to that end, sometimes it seems that the vulnerable are more susceptible to it because yeah. it's better to be rich and That's guilty what, than yeah, poor and innocent. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know, if you have the correct lawyers right. and under, understanding of the right. legal system or, you know, a judge that you can call, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, yeah, you know, no. people. It's um, all who you know. <laughs> right, right. Do get out of um, yeah. things that when you don't have those resources mm. um, and sometimes again, even if you are innocent and sometimes maybe you aren't, but either right. way you don't have the um, ability to get yourself out of that situation. Um, yeah. Y'all that what the book is just mercy, right? Right. That's right. So just mercy. I highly recommend it because it, it is eye opening, but it mm-hmm. is not a light and easy read by, no, any, by any means. Cause I just had to put it down and be like, I can't do this right now. Yes. <laughs> I can't do this. Um, cause I remember my therapist checking it cause I was, Jim quarantined me. I, the test came back negative, but I pretty probably did have COVID that okay. first year of well, and they July say it depends 20. on what day you tested, you know. Well, and I swabbed myself okay. in the CVS drive through parking <laughs> uh, line, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't do this right. Um, I am not medically <laughs> right. to do I'm this. I've swabbed my own nose. <laughs> I'm not sure I did this right. Um, but so Jim really, for real, put me in my room for two weeks solid. I, I mean, like slid food under the door, all oh. of that. But, and I read this book. That's when I read Just Mercy, but my therapist, you know, checked in on me and she was like, Emily, I'm not sure this is the time you should be reading this. I was like, I am just, I'm wrecked right now. I'm just wrecked <laughs> over this book. It was, it's so good, but it's so eye opening. And the interesting thing is uh, an organization that I'm, a part of and on the board of it is, um, something called Truth Spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is in a, uh, uh, a hard hit area of they've got it all. They've got all the things they've got good 
you know, drugs, they've got gangs, they've got, you know, food insecurities, they've got, you know, prostitution, they've got all the things in this little area. And my friends have started a, this foundation and this organization that, that helps, but they back up to government housing. And in that part is where, I mean, they've got broken people, obviously all throughout, but it, specifically in the government housing is just kind of an area of almost lawlessness. And there, it's so when I read that book and then to be able to see, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what he's talking about. This is exactly like they don't, this community is like, well, I mean, the police are already here. They already think I'm, I've done it. So might as well. Or, you know, you can't get out. Right. That's the sad thing that is the legacy of some of the, um, you know, policies and right. design of the past. Yeah. Um, I think it is really um, unfortunate because, you know, there were areas that were tax paying but didn't have right. garbage collection or didn't have, you know, like right. little things that adds up to making a community or to breaking a community. Right. Well, and it, it was interesting to me how so interconnected they were. Mm -hmm. And to say, you know, oh, gosh, yeah, I want to change this justice system. But it's you once you start you peeling back the layers, it's just so much. Right. So what, what are you doing about yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how do you do it? <laughs> so, well, I think, you know, as you've... Um, as you said, there's no silver bullet. Yeah. And it's, there are organizations out there taking a multifaceted approach and partnering, um, sometimes with, you know, the for profit, with the business sector, with yeah. government agencies. Um, but like Vera Institute of Justice, for example, um, is looking at how to, um, maybe in some areas, change laws, maybe in other areas, um, how to um, change the way we police. Um, yeah. And I think even if you look in the country, there's, it's not uniform, you know, there yeah. are different ways that um, different um, jurisdictions, yeah. um, you know, the way their procedures are. And again, I have, you know, a brother-in-law who, if he listens as a retired uh, detective, he's probably going to be, you know, like, <laughs> it's not called the jurisdiction. Um, <laughs> But, um, but I think that, you know, recognizing that there are experts in each of these areas and yeah. actually to shout him out, um, Tyrone Dennis, he has a program called Clippers and Cops that was doing a lot of, um, and still does actually, he still, um, has that organization doing a lot of amazing work, um, in various communities. Yeah. Um, but I think that another piece of it is looking at what does work. So instead of maybe reinventing the wheel, there are places in the world where they don't have the type of recidivism rates that right. we have, you know, people that are released, but then are come back. And, yeah. you know, why is that? What, yeah. what are we doing or not doing while that person is incarcerated? What sort of supports do they have right. when they leave? Um, you know, so I, I am encouraged with a lot yeah. of the work that's going on and basically, um, you know, Justin and I are helping to raise money, um, and awareness. Yeah. Um, and well, I would, cause I can imagine it would be so hard to, especially if you've been in for a long time. And I think that was one of the things that I kept thinking about while I was reading Just Mercy was, 
if you've been in for a long time and, and, and you didn't do it, but you've got no connection mm-hmm. to the outside world, how hard that must be for re-entry, especially when it's like, oh, our bad, sorry, <laughs> here you are, here you go. When all of your prospects were so many years ago, and now you're going to be saddled with this, you know, uh, idea that you've been in prison, right. whether you, and then nobody's going to think, well, yeah, but they didn't do it. <laughs> right, right. So how overwhelming that is for people. Absolutely. And, and I think ours, um, and something that uh, my friend, they just started a new program a couple years ago. For because they started with kids mm-hmm. and education because the neighborhood said they wanted, how can we help you? We need to take care of our kids. So they did the school part first, and um, now they're working on housing. And then they've they started this program because they were like, we want to work, but we can't. And they were like, well, why can't you? And so they said, you know, the list that that they gave were like, these are all really good reasons. <laughs> and one of them was, I've have a record, mm-hmm. and so much of it is. I, people just immediately, mm-hmm. that's something that they're like, oh, we can't get over this. Mm-hmm. And finding more employers that will take a chance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and open it up and, and say, all right, we'll, we'll work with you on this. So, oh, that's great. Um, that's a big part of the work. It is, but it's so, it helping people get out of that cycle and break the cycle is so hard mm-hmm. because it's such a, Almost like, I don't want to say it's a learned behavior, but I mean, it's, you get in there and it's, it's hard to be the one that steps out. Right, right. And I think particularly because the way the conditions in some of these prisons and the way people are treated is less than human. Right. But then, you know, you want to go back out and be fully human and respect others and have respect. But, you know, when you, you haven't been given it for so long, I think that's something that is, um, that is demoralizing. Yeah. Especially if you, if you've been in there and you felt, you know, maybe you had more respect inside than you did, Mm. you know, maybe, you know, you kind of had your place and you, I can imagine that it would be hard to not just say, why not just go back? Mm -hmm. It's kind of depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, it's okay. You know, these are heavy but important topics. Yeah. I was thinking as you were saying um, the book, I didn't want to misquote. In fact, I could just pop it up. I believe it's called um, A Ray of Sunshine by Anthony Ray Hinton, who um, was actually familiar on death row. He, um, so, oh, it's called The Sun Does Shine by Anthony Ray uh, Hinton. And Brian Stevenson talks about him in his book because he's one of the um, gentlemen that he was able to, he had him exonerated for, um, you know, he was wrongly imprisoned and he was on death row. Yeah. And then he wrote his own book. This is another one you you will cry. Oh, yeah. Um, But it was, um, I think just so much of the human experience is trying to understand others and trying to be understood. And so, um, you know, I tend to gravitate, I think, sometimes towards those works of nonfiction that, that serve that purpose. Yeah. Um, is there in working with, um, so 
do they have like, I, I well, if you've been helped, if you've, you know, in, in like his case, if you've been helped, you get out, you're exonerated, all the things, then is there an arm of these organizations that helps like with reentry and that helps? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, okay. and that's a growing um, area of work for sure. Well, and I imagine that that was something that once you got <laughs> the hang of getting people out that you were like, oh, shoot, <laughs> we got it. Wait, wait, wait. We can't stop now. This has to keep going. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming. I do want to ask you one more thing. What is one of your goals for 2024? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I want to do more writing. Ooh. I have been doing um, a lot of reading a lot of listening, but I think entering my 40th year, really finding my own voice. And yeah. um, that's something that I'm looking forward to. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Thank you. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I can't wait to hear what you come up with. Thank you. I appreciate you being here and for taking a chance to meet this random person. <laughs> no, we, as you said, we go way back and I this thank you for, woman. <laughs> thank you for having me. And this is um, a really, uh, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. I had so much fun and I thank you for being here guys. You know, you never know who's going to stop by. Let's talk. <laughs>